Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Shares for Beginners. Weekend Watchlist. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we'll be taking a close look at an individual company, sector or ETF that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how experts screen for value. Joining me again today is Mark Tobin from Coffee Microcaps, the home of the best freshly brewed, sustainably sourced information about the small company end of the ASX. Hello, Mark. Hi, Phil. Good to be back. Good to have you back. So today you're going to tell us about SDI Limited. The ASX code is SDI. SDI Limited engages in the research, development, manufacture and distribution of dental restorative materials. Can you expand on that brief description, Mark? Uh, Yeah, I mean, SDI, it's a business that basically supplies products to dentists, primarily, you know, fillings, whitening equipment a lot more of these aesthetic treatments you know your more cosmetic dentistry that has kind of come to the fore i think in the last kind of 10 or 15 years so i guess their kind of main product or legacy product is uh, those kind of silver amalgam fillings that some of your older listeners might have it's not generally used kind of today still quite popular in emerging markets because it's generally quite a cheap product to use and i mean it still does the job it just doesn't look amazing whereas you know the more modern products are those kind of more white based fillings that you know when you see them you kind of got to really look close to kind of discern is it actually somebody's tooth or have they have they got a filling now, SDI, as you say, has been around for a long time. It's been listed on the stock exchange for a long time. And, you know, I think it's a very solid business. So where are their markets? You mentioned emerging markets. Which markets overseas are they particularly operating in? Actually, a global business. So they, you know, export out of Australia, but they also have, you know, set up uh, wholly owned subsidiaries in the UK, in the US, in Brazil. You'll find their products, according to their website, you know, they've got in, you know, 100 markets globally. So it truly is a global business. You know, they run all their R&D here in Australia. They're based down in Melbourne. They do a lot of their manufacturing primarily down in Melbourne. So it's a global business. And I think it has been going through a bit of a transition. So that old amalgam product, which, you know, made up a lot of their sales, let's say, you know, five to 10 years ago, has been slowly declining as people have kind of, and dentists themselves have kind of moved away from it. On the other hand, they have been moving into the more aesthetics and cosmetic dentistry and into the equipment side as well. And you'll see in their sales over time, it doesn't look like much is happening, but that's because you've kind of got the one legacy product, which has been falling and these new products have been like gaining, but, you know, net, they're kind of a bit cancelling it out. But what I like about SDI now is, you know, that amalgam piece is nearly getting so small that, you know, even if the sales drop by like kind of 25%, it's not really going to impact the kind of overall sales. And we started to see that in the first half result that came out in February. And I think we're going to see more of it in the second half result. And over this time, 
SDI has been, you know, investing in R&D. They've had a stated goal where they're going to release one or two new products every year. And their balance sheet, I think, has really come a long way in the last couple of years. You know, we had a, a special dividend a year ago. They paid off the very last of their debt in the last half, the last like 1.5 million. So, you know, you're sitting today with a with a balance sheet that's got, you know, 11 million of cash. They've got 10 million in undrawn bank facilities that they can use at any time, whether that's, you know, COVID disruptions to invest further in R&D, you know, little acquisitions maybe here and there. And the other thing to remember is as well, you know, they own their manufacturing facility down in Melbourne, which, you know, insulates them a bit from, you know, kind of rent increases. And it's a kind of a 10 million asset that's on the balance sheet that's kind of been fully paid for as well. So it's got a market cap of plus minus 100 million today. You know, but of that 100 million, you've got 11 million in cold hard cash. You've got 9 million in a manufacturing facility that they own. So, you know, 20 million out of 100 million is like cold hard assets. And then you've got a business that's, you know, been around for a long time, well established, pays a dividend quite regularly. It's on, you know, not a huge yield, you know, 3% thereabouts, fully franked. But it's one of those ones where you can look back at its kind of dividend history and track record and it's been a regular dividend pair i wouldn't say it's you know massively growing but it has definitely been a consistent dividend pair for you know those people who you know tend to have a bit of a yield focus let's have a look at the ownership it's largely owned by individual insiders and around 45 percent is owned by the founder and chairman tell us about him yeah, so he yeah founded the business, you know, ran it for kind of many years, and then as we see a lot, I guess, with um you know founders and CEOs, they still want to be involved in the business, but they don't want to you know have the the trials and tribulations of kind of running it. So, you know, he's transitioned to the chairman role over the last couple of years, and actually his daughter Samantha is now the the CEO and has been for the last I think three years could be going on four years now and you know she's I think brought a whole new energy to SDI you know has really kind of focused on the R&D and new products and growing the aesthetics business and the tooth whitening and all these other great cosmetic dentistry products that they have in their arsenal and marketing those to dentists kind of globally so it's kind of you know I think the second generation coming and wanting to put their own stamp on it and, you know, with that kind of youthful enthusiasm to say, okay, yes, we're going to go and do this, we're going to go and do that. And I think she's done a quite a good job and they've managed the transition, I think, pretty well. You know, that can also sometimes be a risk in the original CEOs, founders, you know, not wanting to let go and, and let the new CEO kind of take the reins fully. But I think they've in large part managed that transition very well and Samantha's, you know, definitely kind of leading the business and taking all the kind of necessary decisions and driving the strategy. Great having our father there as the chairman, you know, great institutional knowledge, you know, where the business has come from, has large kind of networks within the whole industry that can be leveraged. So it is a kind of a high insider ownership business, which, you know, a lot of people do like to see. And and it's definitely better to have it than not, as, as I always say. But I think it's one that's kind of been overlooked by the market to some extent as they've been going through this kind of, as I said, the the product transition. But I think we're really getting to the inflection point now where the new products 
are really going to start coming into their own and you know the market is going to really start sitting up and taking notice of the sales expansion the r&d the new product launches the pristine balance sheet that they've managed to get themselves into over the last two or three years so i think it'll definitely want to to be on the lookout as we come into results season in august we also like to look at the risks of any company are there any risks that you've been able to identify Oh, look, you know, like all companies, you know, they were heavily disrupted by COVID back in 2020. And I mean, if you look at their results from 19 to 20 to the first half of 2021, you know, they really are a bit of a roller coaster. And that's a function of, you know, lockdowns in their various markets or whatever. You know, the US is a big market for them. The UK is also a big market for them on the international front and obviously Australia is a decent sized market as their home market. So I think, you know, the impacts of COVID are, you know, can definitely swing the results one way or another. But thankfully the UK is like well on its way to opening up and pretty much fully open from what I can garner from friends who live there. The US similar. Australia obviously back into lockdowns for, you know, extended periods in kind of Greater Sydney, Southeast Queensland as well and you know, many lockdowns, I think, are going to be part of the core space on the kind of federal government's roadmap for the next kind of six or seven months. So that's definitely a key risk. The other key risk for them, I guess, is the exchange rate. You know, they do export a lot. They've got a lot of kind of offshore earnings. So, you know, what happens with the Aussie dollar versus the US dollar versus the euro versus the pound, the Brazilian Rail Brazil is actually quite a big market for them as well. Currency risk is one of the things to kind of keep in mind there. But hopefully, you know, with so many different currencies, you can get a bit of balancing out. But, you know, a sustained weakness in the Aussie dollar or a sustained strengthening of the Aussie dollar kind of against all currencies is going to impact the profits one way or the other. So we're recording today on August the 5th. When do the annual results come out? When should we be keeping an eye out for these? So SDI Day generally report around the the third week of August. I haven't got the email to say when they're coming out, but they generally do announce, you know, our results will be coming out and, you know, the CEO will be doing an investor webinar. So I would say sometime in that third week in August, unfortunately for a lot of your uh, listeners who will well know the third week in August is probably the busiest week of uh, reporting season. So it might be hard to kind of catch the webinar, but I would expect him sometime in that third week in, in August. And as always, we talk about uh, ownership and um, of course, you don't really ever have any ownership in any particular companies that you talk about. So let's hear about that. Yeah, I don't own any shares directly in any ASX microcap companies. I just avoid that because it just creates too many conflicts of interest doing shows like this, doing my own work. But I do, I guess, invest in microcap companies through a couple of fund managers who operate in the space. And that's how I kind of get access to the asset classes is through some of these fund managers. But, you know, I'm not influencing their decisions on a day-to-day basis. I'm buying, selling what they hold in the fund's respective portfolios. So, yeah, not owning directly just clears away so many conflicts of interest and, I guess, issues that can come up. And compliance is a major factor in uh financial services these days but you know i really love the asset class i think it's one of the few places left where you know good active managers can actually generate alpha because for one you're not competing with etfs there's no microcap etf that you can invest in, in australia it's even hard to find them globally 
And even when you do, I, I don't really think they achieve what they say how to achieve. So yeah, your active fund manager is one of the ways that you're going to get access to this asset class if that's something you're interested in. So Mark Tobin, Coffee Microcaps, thank you very much for joining me again today. Thanks, Phil. Great to be back on. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not shares for beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.